You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Above and beyond. You might have heard that phrase used for someone that was exemplary in the way they have served others or helped others above and beyond. Well, we can take that phrase and apply it to our great God. Because when it comes to grace, God has gone above and beyond. And for the next three or four weeks, I want to talk to you about God's grace. Last week we finished the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to start soon the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians in the New Testament is all about grace. I thought it would be good to begin to orient our hearts toward the idea of grace. Thinking about God's grace for our Lives. We're going to be in two passages this morning. We're going to start in Romans chapter 5. So you can turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Hold your place there. Because then we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Romans chapter 5, and then Philippians chapter 4. Did you find your place there? When you found your place... Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word? Romans chapter 5, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, watch this, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul, again writing to the church in Philippi, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to gather yet again in a free country to express our love and adoration to Jesus. And Lord, to gather, to be encouraged by fellowship, to gather, Lord, to be instructed and challenged and inspired and equipped by your word. Lord, it is a great privilege to be here today. And I pray that you would move in our midst by your spirit 
that you would apply your word to our hearts that we might be changed. That we might, as a faith family, live fully for your glory and your renown. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Recently, I began to think about God's grace and about how God has gone above and beyond. I thought about verses like John chapter 1, verse 16, when the Bible says that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And John writes in that 16th verse, For from his fullness, from the fullness of Jesus, we have all received, and then he says, Grace upon grace. Over in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, Paul writes, Law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace, listen, abounded all the more. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth about the Christians in uh, Judea who were praying for them. And he says, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing, listen, surpassing grace of God upon you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, Paul speaks of the grace of our Lord overflowing for me. So all of these verses speak to the, the abounding nature of God's grace. The fact that God's grace is, as John Newton wrote, amazing. And I was thinking about God's grace. How he blesses us and then pours blessings out on top of those blessings. And I began to just jot down some, some areas of grace upon grace. And I want to share some of those with you over the next few weeks. For example... I want to talk about this and maybe next week. Not only are we justified, declared righteous by God, that's grace, amen? But we are adopted. Not only are we forgiven sinners, that's amazing grace, right? But we are called friends of God. Grace upon grace. And this morning, I want to talk about an aspect of God's grace, His peace. And how God gives us peace and then pours out more peace on top of that peace. So we began this morning by talking about Romans chapter 5. The Bible says very clearly that through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Now listen to that preposition. Peace with God. Now if you read it a little farther into Romans chapter 5, you'll see what peace with God is all about. Because in Romans chapter 5, he speaks of our sin and rebellion against God. And the Bible says that as we sin and rebel against a holy God, we are actually at enmity with God. We are actually enemies of God. God. 
We have disregarded him. We have disrespected him. We have gone our own way. And because of that, we have set ourselves against the will and the way of God. The Bible calls us unredeemed enemies of God. But here's the good news. God loves you and he loves me. And he loves us so much he sent his only son Jesus to this earth. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was born of Mary and as he was born he was fully God, fully man. And Jesus lived a life of absolute moral perfection, the lamb who was without blemish. Jesus never spoke a wrong word. He never thought a wrong thought. He never performed a wrong action. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, lived on this earth in perfection. He did nothing but good. He taught and he comforted and he healed and he cast out demons and he ministered and he spoke truth and Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience to the Father, even to the point of death. Because Philippians 2 says, in obedience to the Father, he went to the cross for you and for me. That's the purpose that he was sent. I read this morning in my time alone with God, Luke chapter 19, when he encounters Zacchaeus and saves Zacchaeus, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here's how he did that. Jesus willingly of his own volition because of his obedience to the Father and his love for you Jesus went to the cross and on the cross the Bible says he took all of our sin and rebellion upon himself remember we're enemies of God and Jesus took that enmity Jesus Christ took that sin. Jesus Christ took that guilt upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He became sin for us. And on the cross he hung there. From nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. Bearing our sin. And bearing the wrath of God in our place. On the cross, Isaiah 53 says, the father was crushing the son with the full weight of his wrath and fury that our sin deserves. Jesus Christ on the cross took our punishment for us. We're the rebels. We're the enemies. But Jesus took our punishment for us. And he, he, he cried out, to Telestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. And he died on the cross. And he was taken off that cross and put in burial clothes and, and, and placed in a borrowed tomb. And, and early on the third day, Jesus Christ defeated death itself and walked out of that tomb. Here's what that means for enemies like me and enemies like you. If you embrace Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are one who will place your faith in Christ, Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, if you place your faith in Christ, what he's done for you, knowing that you need a Savior, he will apply his death, burial, and resurrection to your account, your spiritual account. And he'll forgive you of your sin. He'll forgive you of your guilt. He'll forgive you of your rebellion against God. Your sins are washed away. So you're no, listen, you're no longer enemies of God. When you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have peace with God. 
peace. You're not an enemy anymore. You've drawn near. You're a friend. You have a relationship with God himself. Peace with God. Now, I would submit to you today that that's amazing grace. Amen? Amazing grace. And if that's all God ever did, that would be enough. We would say, wow, thank you for giving me peace with you, God. I don't deserve it. I'm a rebel. I'm a sinner. I'm an enemy. But you've made a way for me to know you personally. Thank you for the peace I have with you. That would be enough. But God didn't stop there. You see, not only... Does God want you to experience peace with God? He wants you as a saved Christian to walk around in daily life, listen, experiencing the peace of God. And that's what Philippians is about. Philippians 4. If you're a Christian, you have a relationship with God. You've been saved. You've been reconciled. You're a friend of God. You have peace with God. But a lot of Christians who have that position, that peace with God, are walking around without any peace in their lives. The practical peace of God's taking away worry and anxiety from their hearts and Minds. So I want to talk to you about experiencing the peace of God. As a Christian, you've been saved, you've been born again, but how do you live practically day to day without worry and anxiety so that you are experiencing this peace that our God of amazing grace offers you? Well, I want you to look back with me. In our text in Philippians 4, and I want to give you three thoughts this morning about the peace of God. Three thoughts about the peace of God. First of all, I want to discuss the problem. Because if we don't get the problem, then we won't seek the right solution. And here's the problem as Paul explains it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And in case you didn't get that, Paul says, again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about, what's the word there? Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. So, so, Paul here is dealing with a a reality that Christians deal with. He's writing to the church in Philippi. These are people that had a relationship with Jesus. They had peace with God. But many were not experiencing in a practical, daily way the peace of God. And so Paul points out that issue. Do not be anxious about anything. And tying it back into verse 4... Are there things in your life that are keeping you from rejoicing in the Lord always? That's the point. Now, we can resonate with this passage. We can resonate with the Christians in Philippi because we all have personal struggles. Can I get an amen on that? We all have personal struggles. We all have our frailties. 
We all have our failures. We all have our frustrations. And as we live life, we all experience the, 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 the worries, the anxieties, the, the, the anguish that comes with experiencing personal struggles. And you say, Pastor Wade, why is it that we struggle so much? Why is it that there is anxiety in our lives and worry in our lives? Because we all experience the brokenness of a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world. And we live in a fallen creation. There is sin all around us. There is sin within us. There is hardship and suffering, some of it unexplained, happening everywhere. And everywhere we look, we see hurting people. And everywhere we look, we see difficult situations. Life is hard. Life is hard. And we all know that to be true. And so, why why do we walk around without peace? Because the challenges of living as imperfect people in a fallen world eventually take their toll. Listen, if you live long enough, you're going to experience some challenges in life. And you're going to have your own frailties and failures and frustrations. You're going to have things happen to you that are hard. You're going to see other people going through hard things. You're living in a fallen world, and eventually it will take its toll on your heart and on your mind. It's like the old hymn, Just As I Am, says. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without. Every single one of us experienced that. Fightings and fears. Within, without. We live in a fallen world. And and the challenges of living in a fallen world can take its toll on our peace. Over in Proverbs chapter 12, 25. Listen to what the Bible says about anxiety. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Perhaps you're here this morning and, and, and you are just feeling the weight of life. I mean, it, it's, it's so real and so tangible, it's almost physical. You can feel the weight of life. Maybe fighting's within, fear's without. I, I don't know what's causing it. But anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Which brings us back to what Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, now that phrase, do not be anxious, is an imperative. Which means it carries with it the weight of a command. So, so watch this. God is commanding us to put aside worry and anxiety. Now, you say, well, 
Why would God command me not to worry? Why, why would God command me to deal with my anxiety? Why would God make this a command? I mean, life is hard. Why? Listen, because he cares about you. And he doesn't want you walking around under a constant weight. He doesn't want you miserable. He doesn't want you living a life where you are bent down under anxiety and worry. He cares about you. So he gives you some very practical ways to deal with anxiety. But let's just, let's just all come to terms this morning with the fact that we all need what Paul's about to say. Because we all experience the challenges of life, right? There's a children's book from the 70s written by Judith Viorst. And the title of the book is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Maybe you've read that book. The book begins when Alexander wakes up and he'd been chewing some gum the night before and he wakes up with gum all in his hair. Then he gets out of bed and he trips over his skateboard. He goes down to, to breakfast and his two brothers find prizes in their cereal box. He doesn't have a prize in his. He goes to school. The day goes from bad to worse. He has to count to 20 and he forgets the number 16. His teacher gets on to him and he says, who needs to remember 16 anyway? And, and, and his day is just, it's just a, a bad... He goes home... And his mother had cooked lima beans, and he hates lima beans. It's just a bad day. But, but here's the interesting thing about that book. The, the theme of the book is this. Alexander keeps saying, I wish I could go to Australia. I, I wish I could go to Australia where all these bad things wouldn't happen. And his mother has to remind him, Alexander, did you know people in Australia have bad days too? In other words... Hardship, challenges, difficulties, bad days, bad weeks, tough months. Those are universal. We all deal with them because we live in a fallen world. But God is for your peace. And so we see the, the problem, but secondly, there's the prescription. What does Paul say here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul gives us here a very practical way to deal with anxiety and worry and hardship and challenge and the weight of life. And here it is. When you experience anxiety and worry, pray. Now, I'm just anticipating what some people may think when I make that statement. When you feel, experience anxiety and worry, pray. Some might say, Pastor Wade, that's so simplistic. Did I have to come to church this morning to hear the pastor say, when you're going through a hard time, pray? And you may think, that's just, that's just too simple for the complexities in my life. But listen, if that's your perspective, you don't understand the power of prayer. 
You don't understand what prayer is all about and what a measureless gift it is that God has placed in our hands. He says there, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That word prayer is the word, Greek word prosuke. It's the, it's the general word for prayer. And, and here's what that word means. Here's what the word prayer means. And it's so simple, and we know this, but it's so profound. Prosuke, prayer, is simply talking to God. Now, if, if that didn't impress you, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it slower. So you can, you can feel the magnitude of what I just said. Prayer is talking to God. Wow. In Christ, you and I have the amazing privilege of talking to God himself. But in all things, by prayer, across UK, talk to God. But let me give you two thoughts about how you talk to God. Number one, be specific. Look what he says there. In everything, by prayer, and, and notice the next word, uh, supplication. That word means to ask. That's what the word means. It's a big word for ask. It means to, to, to make an urgent request based upon a need that needs to be met. That's what that word means in the original language. And, and so Paul says, when you feel anxiety and, and you're under the weight of worry, talk to God, but be specific. Ask. I was reading yesterday in Luke about Jesus' encounter on the way to Jericho with a blind man. The blind man hears that Jesus is walking by. Someone told him. He begins to cry out, make a fuss, and people were kind of embarrassed by it and wanted him to kind of quiet down. But, but Jesus, Jesus hears, and, and Jesus goes to encounter this blind man. And, and Jesus made a very specific statement. He asked a very specific question. Every time I read it, it moves me. He looks down at this blind man and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Why are you calling out my name? I'm here. Now what do you want, to, what do you want me to do? And, and, and the, the blind man says, I want to have my sight restored. And Jesus heals that blind man. It's a, it's a powerful story. But, but here's the question for you this morning. What do you want Jesus to do for you? How do you need Jesus to work specifically in your life? Whatever the answer to that question is, listen, ask him. Ask him. Ask him to do that thing in your life that you need to be done. Be specific. Be specific. Be specific when you come before the Lord. And, and then be grateful. Notice what he says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, here it is, with thanksgiving. Let your requests, your asking, be made known to God. Why does Paul want us to accompany our asking with thanksgiving? 
gratitude is, is very important. The Bible places a, a premium on God's people remembering what he's done and being thankful for what God has done. It's a big deal in Scripture. But what's that have to do with our prayer life? Well, when you are praying and asking God to meet a need in your life, you're also remembering how he's met needs in the past. And, and that, that looking back at God's faithfulness in the past strengthens you in the present to ask for God to do it again and gives you confidence that tomorrow God's going to move. So when you pray, when you're going through a hard time, spend some time remembering God's faithfulness in your past. There's a song I love by Stephen Curtis Chapman. He says in that song, I may not see in front of me, but I can see for miles when I look over my shoulder. And Lord, it's clear you brought me here so faithful every step of the way. That's gratitude. As you're praying and asking, you're saying, God, I remember what you've done in the past, and I know that you can do it again. So be specific and As you pray, be grateful. Spend some some emotional and spiritual and mental uh, energy thinking about God's goodness in your past. It will strengthen you in the here and now. Be specific. Be grateful. That's the prescription. Instead of being anxious and worried, take those concerns. Lay them before the Lord. And ask God to lift them from your life. I thought about Hezekiah, king of Judah. Jerusalem was under the threat of invasion from the Assyrians led by a king named Sennacherib. And the Assyrian army, they were fierce warriors. They would strike terror into the hearts of the people that they would overthrow. As they advanced towards Jerusalem, they would send messages to the city of Jerusalem and messages to Hezekiah. And finally, Sennacherib had a letter sent to Hezekiah basically saying, you're going to be destroyed and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm coming with my army, 185,000. I'm coming. I'm going to overthrow your city. I'm going to overthrow you and your God can do nothing about it. It was desperate. Hezekiah didn't have the the military strength to stand against the Assyrians. He didn't have the strategic knowledge to know how to stand against the Assyrians. There was no help coming from other nations surrounding them. Sennacherib and his fierce army were, were advancing against Jerusalem. The people were terrified. So what did Hezekiah do? What did this king do? so powerful. He took the letter from Sennacherib and he took it into the temple. And the Bible says, listen to this, he laid it before the Lord. As if to say, this is too big for me, God. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. There are no answers. I don't know what to do. So I'm laying this letter before you. And God came to the rescue. God overthrew Sennacherib's army. Sennacherib went back to Assyria. 
Why? Hezekiah knew to lay that need before the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4. Whatever that issue is going on in your life and it's too big for you and it's insurmountable and you can't fix it. Just bring it before the Lord and say, God, it's too big, too big for me. I'm placing it before you. In fact, at the end of the service, we're going to have a time of response, a time for people to come and make decisions. But during that time, I'm going to, I'm going to just declare that th- these steps are open. And, and if you've got something going on in your life, and it's, and it's just too big for you, and it's, it's beyond your, your fixing it yourself, I want to invite you just to come down to the front and just, just lay it before the Lord. Say, here it is, Lord. It's weighing me down. I need your help. I long for your peace. Which is the third part of this statement about the peace of God. We've seen the problem and we've seen the prescription. But third and last, there is a promise. I want you to see the promise made in verse 7. And it is glorious. He says... The peace of God, when you pray, when you make your request to, uh, to God, when you do it with thanksgiving, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, watch this, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you turn your anxieties into prayers, God promises, God promises peace beyond comprehension. That word, Understanding is an interesting word. It means that you, that, you, that you can wrap your mind around it. But he's saying that the peace God gives is so great and so wonderful, you can't wrap your mind around it. Why? Because the peace that God gives when you pray is supernatural peace. It comes from God himself. And, and here's what God practically does. Whatever that is that's weighing you down, he lifts it and then he replaces it with peace. Reminds me of what Peter wrote over in 1 Peter chapter 5. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. He'll lift it and replace it. He'll lift your anxieties, lift your concerns, lift your your problems, and he'll replace it with peace. It doesn't mean everything is fixed. It doesn't mean everything just goes away. But it means that in the midst of this life that you're living, which is very, very challenging, you can walk through this life with supernatural peace that can't be explained. It's beyond comprehension. When you turn your anxieties into prayers, God's peace will keep watch over you. Look what he says there in verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. Notice that word guard. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. His peace. Listen, when you pray, his peace goes on duty. And his peace has taken up the role of, of guard over your heart and your mind. 
In other words, it will keep watch over your emotions. The heart is the center of who we are as people in, in the Hebrew mindset. So it speaks of our emotions. And because of hardship, because of challenges, our emotions can, 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 can really uh, cause us issues and strife. But God's peace will watch over your emotions. And God's peace will keep watch over your thoughts. He says there, peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He'll guard your heart. He'll guard your emotions. He'll guard your mind. He'll guard your thoughts. God's peace will be on duty. My dad and I were recently discussing my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, he was in the army in World War II, and he was in the Pacific Theater. And, and my dad was able to find some, because my grandfather never talked about World War II, but my, my dad was able to find some documents, some official military documents that kind of uh, described what he was doing and you know, going to those different islands in the Pacific and, and fierce fighting. And, and uh, it was really striking to, to, to see and to hear what my grandfather actually experienced during World War II. And my dad did share one story that my, my grandfather shared with him. He never shared it with me, but he shared it with my dad. And he, he talked about nighttime on those islands. They would, they would you know, dig foxholes, and, and they would get in the foxholes. And he said they would be so close to the enemy, they could hear them talking and laughing. And he said someone had to be on guard. Because sometimes the enemy would come and jump in the foxhole. And he was talking about how important it was that, that someone was awake and alert and keeping watch. Well, that word guard in Philippians 4 is a, is a military term. When, when you are in the foxholes of life and you feel like, feel like you're being bombarded by life, if you will take that that situation, those situations, those problems, those worries, those anxieties, if you will turn it into a prayer, God's peace, listen, steps into your foxhole. And God's peace guards your heart and your mind. And that is a promise of Scripture, a promise from Almighty God. You say, Pastor Wade, practically speaking, what if I deal with something uh, today on Sunday and it's hard and I pray about it and God gives me peace, but on Monday I have the same issue? Pray again. Give it to him again. And then on Tuesday, give it to him again and just keep giving it to him. Just keep laying it before him, trusting him, and let his peace have its way in your life. So in this text, there is a, a problem, a prescription, and a promise. Three thoughts about the peace of God. But isn't it amazing that God is so glorious and so merciful and so gracious and he loves you so much that he doesn't stop with just giving us peace with God. He wants you to experience as a daily reality the peace of God. You know what that is? 
That's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Aren't you grateful for God's amazing grace? Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.